Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly. I am Philippa B and I'm joined for the moment by Rich Allen. Hi, Rich. Good evening. And Jeremy Smith. Hi, Jez. Hello. And Chris is currently stuck in a car park, but might be joining us later to take over on the hosting duties um, as we get through what's been happening in French football over the last week, because quite a lot has happened. Now, we'll start with Le Weekend Kifu and a roundup of the games we saw last weekend, which was game 33, which started with Angers drawing 1-1 at home to Nice, which was interesting at two ends of the table. Then OL beat Amiens 3-0. Rennes lost to Metz 2-1. A double from Nolan Roux, which I'm sure Jeremy will tell us about a bit more later. Uh, Then we had a draw of Nantes and Dijon 1-1. Strasbourg lost uh, to Saint-Étienne. A goal from Debussy. Get him on the plane. And Lille went 2-0 up against Gangon before losing two goals in from the 90th minute to uh, end up with only a point as that ended 2-2, uh, 90 minute, 90th minute own goal and a 93rd minute equaliser from Jimmy Briand from Gangon. Uh, Caen versus Toulouse has been postponed due to weather and is due to be played next Wednesday, the 25th, uh, when hopefully they've dried everything out. On the Sunday, we saw Montpellier 1, Bordeaux 3. Montpellier significantly failing to defend against a Bordeaux attack that um, took its chances very well. Uh, Trois and... Trois 2 om 3 in what was a fairly chaotic match that uh, saw Trois ahead for uh, quite a long period in the second half before OM um, both equalised in Mitroglou and then got a, a late winner from Florian Toval. And then we finish with the big match, PSG versus Monaco. The champions in waiting versus last season's champions. First play second. A tight game, you'd expect. It was 2-1 the first two times these teams met. 3-0 in the Coupe de la Ligue final recently. It was going to be tight. It was going to be close. It was going to be interesting. It ended 7-1. Chaps, what the hell happened there for PSG to clinch the title? Rich, seriously, what did happen? Um, I think what happened was half an hour of possibly PSG's best football of the season. Um, It's felt sort of a long time coming um, in in a way, but the football that PSG put on in that that opening 30 minutes was, was simply outstanding. You know, it had, it it seemed to have absolutely everything um, that we wanted to see from this PSG team, perhaps more frequently than we have done this season. Um, the goals that they scored, you know, the, the, the sort of four or five minute burst of three goals, um, with all three of, of, of differing styles, but all equally really well worked. And I thought in Di Maria's case, absolutely ridiculous in the quality of finishing that, that chip. I have likened it to a sort of modern day Carol Paborski-esque finish because he had no right, no right to chip Subasic from where he did and gain the height that he did on the chip to get it up and under. Bearing in mind, he was pretty much inside the penalty area. 
when he chipped it. It was just ridiculous. So it, it felt slightly weird because I think probably in the opening sort of three, four minutes, I thought Monaco came out pretty strongly. And look, I'll be honest, that sounds like quite a damning indictment. <laughs> the opening <laughs> three or four minutes, they were very good. It was. That's... You, 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 thought, you thought, well, this is how other teams who have had you know, relative success against PSG have, have, have played. They come out, they look strong, they look organised, they don't look afraid of PSG, and then it disappeared. It mm. disappeared because PSG turned it on, hopefully, you know, to, to, to sort of treat the fans to a, a thrilling display of attacking football to clinch the championship. Um, and, and that's what they did. You know, it was, it was a superb half an hour. I think they sort of eased off the gas a little bit, I think, and they every right to. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think from a performance perspective, it was fantastic from PSG. Um, I think you have, to, you have to give them the praise on that. As I said, that half an hour, that opening half an hour, I think you probably have to go all the way back to the Bordeaux game. Mm-hmm. It feels like months and months ago, before Christmas, when they were at home, and they put in an equally impressive opening half an hour, which completely destroyed who at the time were actually a pretty pretty strong, pretty tough-going Bordeaux team. Um, I'd like to have seen this PSG a lot more this season, this sort of gung-ho, all-out attack, uh, you know, intricate passing. Between, I mean, I thought down the left, Yuri Bashiche and, and, and Julian Draxler worked really well together. Lo Celso then driving from deep to show what he can offer going forward. Um, Di Maria had an excellent game. It all just worked, you know, it just all worked really, really well. So, you know, it feels like, and we'll come on to what the perhaps the negatives of this are, but it just feels like it was, it was a great way to win the championship, but it was a timely reminder of if PSG perhaps had played like this a bit more often, the title would have been won sooner, maybe they'd still be in the Champions League as well. So it was an excellent performance, but there are, there are issues that I'm sure we'll come on to. So, Jez, you want to point up any of those particular issues? Uh, well, my my main issue wasn't on the pitch. <laughs> uh, I I mean, I pretty much back up what what Rich said. I thought Monaco started reasonably well, and then um, Cavani missed his habitual sitter, and then Lokelso scored, and then it's sort of the floodgates opened. I don't. I think Monaco were. Slightly, I don't know about unfortunate, but they were hampered by a bit of a strange defence with Sidibe playing left back. Um, he was bad enough right back, so um, he's now he's no longer accustomed to playing left back. So, so that was that was sort of even worse. Toure was good going forward, but not so good in defence. It was just Subasic could have done better on a couple of the goals, I think. So it, it helped that Monaco had a, an off day, but. PSG, especially in that first half hour, fantastic. I mean, my favourite goal was the Celso second, which had four passes with the outside of the foot in the build-up. Um, and I mean, we said it so many times. It's sort of frustrating that we don't see that from PSG more often. But then, if we did see it more often, the the league would look even more sort of embarrassing in a sense. Mm. So. Um, I don't mind that it's not week in, week out, but there are some matches that they really do sleepwalk through where, you know, you look at this and you think, if you're capable of doing this, um, you know, with some absolutely world-class players, not even on the pitch, 
then you know why don't you do it a little bit more often and yeah as, as rich said it's not so much that i i don't think that sort of having a league sewn up earlier would have had an effect on the champions league but i think the attitude of some players as we've discussed before sort of turning it on and off when they feel like it is is the issue and i know that that rich alluded to it on twitter um i i did an article i wrote elsewhere as well that um i think bashish sort of made a comment about well it's up to other teams to rise to our level kind Mm. of thing and um you know people talking about well PSG are never going to do that well in the Champions League because they have no competition domestically. I mean, and that's Bayern not Munich. entirely true. Yeah. Exactly. First of all, Bayern Munich are still you know, competitive in the Champions League every year. And also, um, you know, Monaco won the league last year. So mm. this year is a bit different. I don't think any team is capable of sustaining it year in year out and sort of building a dynasty that could constantly compete with with PSG but in any given season I think there are teams that could and should be able to compete so I don't really buy that argument at all Um, as I said I I think that that the issue is more attitudes among certain players and yeah if I'm going to find a criticism which I obviously always do (laughs) um, it's it's the whole Neymar thing Mm. and um, yesterday I sort of got into a debate with with Mo and a guy Mark Damon who's a, who's a PSG fan and then loads of other people butted in um, there's one who I think her bio was Neymar is my life who you won't need to guess what side she was on mm-hmm. but um, I uh, I do have issues with him sitting in Brazil playing poker I, As, wh- I think really like... Christoph Christoph de Gary was that his quote exactly, that Neymar yeah. spat on PSG by by staying in Brazil rather than coming back to to see that Emery yeah. saying that apparently he and Neymar haven't spoken for several weeks it is looking a little bit tense shall we say and well, that possibly sh- my... is not the best thing to build on maybe Emery doesn't care because he's leaving in the summer and who's the latest big rumor it is Tuchel, Tuchel who's yeah. who's uh, seems to have the money on him um I just I think that um, Mark. Well, firstly, Mark Damon was kind of supposedly being neutral, and I sort of suggested maybe he wasn't. And he's saying it's nothing to do with Neymar; it's to do with this whole argument. You know, why should other why should sports people be fans? Why should they be role models? You know, it's a separate thing to their job. Um, and other people are saying, you know, he's just at home playing poker. It doesn't matter. I feel like if that had been the only incident, maybe he could have got away with it. And the bottom line is, if genuinely he's been advised by doctors, you should not be flying across um, for it, then I guess fair enough. I just feel this is the latest in quite a few incidents this year, which all speak of Neymar being bigger than PSG. First, Firstly, I think in his eyes, and secondly, unfortunately, in Al Khalifi's eyes, and I think that's the one that's the real problem. I think he's allowed the situation to happen, and I just feel like he's not invested at all. Um, it's not about you know someone saying, "What are you saying?" It should be a clause in his contract that he watches PSG every match, even when he's not playing. No, but you know this is supposed to be—it's a team sport, and it's supposed to be—you know—you should be sort of 
I don't know, cheering on your mates. And mm. it's a champ. It's a match where they're going to win the title. Okay, it was against Monaco. It wasn't an absolute formality, but the chances were they were going to win the title. You'd have just thought he was more. He'd be more invested, and certainly more invested than than uh, you know. Apparently, he was playing poker because he's just signed some big multi-million deal. So he's actually, you know, rather than watching his team, he's making, he's doing more business for himself. I just, I don't think it was a classy way to act at all. And lots of people saying, but he's represented by his dad. In a way, I think that's even worse. Like he's not the fucking king. He doesn't need representation. I be there or don't be there. If you don't want to be there, don't be there. But having sending your entourage, I think, is even more insulting. And I just think that lack of investment in the team sort of speaks of the issue with PSG. You know, if Neymar had, you know, beaten Real Madrid as as he was supposed to do because he's the best player in the world and he wanted to step out of Messi's shadow. If he had some storming match against Real Madrid and, and they're waiting now to, to play in the, in the semi-final, thanks to him, then fair enough. But I just, I think, you know, in that first match, he was extremely selfish as he has been a lot of the time during the year. The whole penalty thing, whatever they try to say, clearly has and did cause tension. I think Cavani this week has said, yes, it caused tension between us for, for a few weeks. Um, and, yeah, I just, I just feel that it's, it's not this incident by itself. And, you know, I understand why people think that it's being blown out of proportion, but I just feel it's, it's one of a series of incidents which speak of a bigger issue within PSG of certain players having too much power and being a bit too self-obsessed and less concerned with, with what's good for the team. Mm. I, I think, think I, I saw a, um, an interesting article I retweeted at earlier from Digital Sport uh, because obviously Man City won uh, won the title in England uh, at the weekend and this article was about how Ben Mendy used social media to turn a potential horror debut season into a great one because... However, he hasn't been there for so much of the season because he's been injured, but you never, ever get the feeling that he is not completely invested in that team, in, like you say, in his mates, to the extent of taking the piss out of them, photoshopping himself over Raheem Sterling's picture in a, in a photo, that kind of stuff. The, that kind of... You don't want to say that a footballer has to have a particular kind of character to play, but Ben Mendy's character does seem to help. In a very difficult season for him personally, he has not let that sour a very good season for his team because he has been visibly um, actively behind them the whole way. Now, as you say, if Neymar's doctors have said to him, you've just had ankle surgery you can't you can't fly that is fair enough but there are ways to uh, obviously show support which don't necessarily involve turning up at the game also um, don't be seen going clubbing i know it's not going on a, on a plane but still possibly um i think one other thing obviously with psg and this talk about uh talk about the the manager uh one thing that was interesting to me was um i think two weeks ago gail kakuta was on um canal football club uh and he repeated some things he said i think previously in october now he spent six months at sevilla under emery before being shipped off somewhere else and they famously didn't get on and he said he repeated that this was because Emery likes to control everything 
and you're just thinking Emma at PSG basically controls nothing so how difficult must this situation have been for him and how difficult will it be for the new guy coming in because if you look at over the you know the past six seasons since QSI took over PSG have won five of the you know, five of the last six seasons, so five of seven seasons, the title. They've won the last three Coupe de France's and they're still uh, still in it um, at the moment. So they've won the last five Coupe de la Ligue's and you, they've done this under four managers whose win percentage has been going up over time. Uh, so from Combare, uh, 45%, which included some pre-QSI stuff. Ancelotti, 64%. Blanc, 73%. Now Emery's at 78.5%. What will satisfy them? It, I mean, in terms of increasing that, it has to be the Champions League, doesn't it? And having, in fact you know, kind of dropped off from those quarterfinals that they reached four years in a row to round of 16, the last two team, two times because they hit the big teams that early. What chance have they got um, for, to have a manager who can, you know, impose himself on the team, impose himself on the tactics and do something with it, given all of this extraneous, as you say, Jess, off the pitch stuff with poker playing and, and endorsements and a new strategic partnership in China and, and various things like that. Do we actually see them going forwards, making a bigger impact on that European stage? Rich, what do you think? Uh, it really rests on Al Khalifi. If he keeps his nose out of, of the sort of footballing side of the team, then they have every chance. But I don't see him doing that. He wants to keep he wants to keep his 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 nose in, he wants to keep having his say on who, who comes in from a transfer transfer perspective. He sees PSG as this I've used the term before, but this sort of Galacticos Mark Two. Um that it's all about the big names, the marketable players. It's not about actually building a good football team. Um, I have, I, I think we've, we've, we've touched on concerns over Thomas Tuchel and, and actually how much of a positive impact he's going to have, bearing in mind the restrictions that are going to almost certainly or seemingly going to be imposed on him from a transfer perspective, from a who can and can't you play to player power, one thing I do do note is that there have been a couple of players now linked if Tuchel comes in and they're, they're sound players. Um, you know, there's rumours that he wants to look at, at, at that Kazawa seems to be on his way out mm-hmm. and he looks like he's going to be, you know, um, Rafael Guerrero looks like he Ooh. could be being brought in. It looks Ooh. like they're finally going to address a defensive midfield issue because Julian Weigel is is on their radar and this is all positive because these are the kind of players these are good solid young still relatively youngish players who are actually really good footballers as well and they you know they work for a team you know you don't you don't play for a team like Dortmund and don't adopt maybe there are extreme so but you don't adopt a good squad mentality of We'll play for you know. We'll play for ourselves, but play for the team and play for the fans. Mm. Once you've got that all working in harmony, 
you, you're going to succeed at what you set out to do. Now, PSG don't have that. They have, a, they have their, their classic collection of really good individual players that are just thrown onto the pitch. And because they're really good players, they're expected to, to you know, work miracles. And the coach on the sidelines is expected to work miracles at mashing all these players together to form a cohesive eleven. And it's to no great surprise that that philosophy, as with, to be perfectly honest, Real Madrid's with their Galacticos era, didn't actually herald that much European success. Um, when you actually look at, at the players that they had, they should have dominated Europe year in, year out, and they didn't. And, and I think that's what we're sort of seeing with, with PSG. And until such time as a manager can come in and is allowed to actually build a solid um, team that, that he has his say over, it's his imprint on the team, it's his players he's brought in, it's his tactics he's playing, his players that he's playing, that isn't going to happen with PSG. Um, you know, the, the fact that Neymar has been allowed to do all this, you know, basically just run wild, mate, do whatever the heck he wants, is, is ridiculous. You know, I get that he's staying in Brazil, you know, for a, for a medical reason, but as, as Jez says, don't get pictured going out clubbing. Just, it's just common sense. I get that footballers have to have a life. I completely get that. But you are in the top three of most marketable footballers in, around the world. Every little minute thing that you do is going to be broadcast to millions of people. And that's going to see that. So for me... But to be fair, it's not actually going to matter. Um. Well, I think, I think <laughs> it, 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 it matters. From it, it spreads throughout that team. Imagine if, if Adrian Rabiot was the player that had posted... You know, he hadn't been playing, say, and he posted during that Monaco match a picture of him playing poker with a PSG game on the round, he'd have been hauled over the coals, no matter, uh, no doubt about it at all. But Neymar, no, 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 it's fine. He's just got a little sponsorship deal with a poker company. It might seem a really trivial thing to get worked up on, uh, worked up about, but it has an impact. It spreads throughout that team and just gives that message and that impression to everybody else that we're right when we say that PSG are a team of individuals. You know the uh, fact that the fact that there's this big game where they're going to win, he should he should be showing his full support. And I'm afraid if he's not travelling, fine, I get that. There's medical grounds for that. That's no problem at all. But just think about what you post. You didn't need to have the poker image in that picture. Post a picture of PSG. Congratulations, we did it. Great success. Wonderful team effort. Blah 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 blah. Then post your picture of your poker thing. Hashtag sponsorship. Hashtag more millions in the bank, whatever it is. Um, I just thought the whole thing was, it was completely needless. And yet again, he's been ill-advised, even if he has any advisors. And his own ego has allowed it to run wild. And it's going to spread through PSG until such time as someone can come in and tell El Kaifi, look, sunshine, leave this to me. I'll come in, I'll manage, I'll get you what you want. Now, I, I fear that Tuckle is not the man. But, you know, to, to, to bring it back to what the initial question was, to pre-rant, um, that's what needs to change. Is El Khalifi's attitude to that squad and basically saying, you know, Thiago Silva, Cavani, Di Maria, Neymar, you do what you want. Um, we're just going to have to rely on, you know, a couple of other people to, to work really hard day in, day out and try and bring this squad together. But yeah. if that's going to continue to happen, then they're not going to get Champions League success. All right, so I, just uh, just 
I've been um, just flicking back through Neymar's uh, Twitter feed just to see if he had actually said anything um, since uh, since that. And the last reference to Paris I can find on his Twitter feed was March the 6th, uh, which was Allez Paris. Um, that was swiftly followed by, you know, the, the unfortunate... Oh, no, March the 7th. There was uh, some, did, something he... that was swiftly followed by the unfortunate Stephen Hawking tweet. Um, I think he did give some kind of interview yesterday and said something about blah, 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 health reasons or something. But oh, fair enough. Um, as, as Rich said, even if he's not going to be in Paris, there's still other ways to go about it. And mm. it's not even what he tweeting, should be doing. You'd have thought he'd the want club to be watching branded and created... Um, you know, celebratory tweet would have been part of it. Yeah. Uh, possibly. Um, so Can I just say one, yeah. I mean, if, if we're concluding PSG, just one slight thing in their defence, and it is something just to continue a, a theme that we sort of started when we were talking about the Real Madrid matches and people like Barry Glendening really having a go. You know, I noticed PSG are referred to as Qatar FC in the Fiverr, but City never referred to as Dubai FC or anything like that. City have had four or five years longer with all this money to spend. And frankly, their Champions League record is pretty poor as well. So there's a lot of schadenfreude about PSG, but they're not the only team that are struggling to make that kind of impact. They do seem to get a hell of a lot more stick than others, though. So, yes, if we, if we move on, we do have a French team with the chance for European glory because Marseille are in the semi-finals of the Europa League. And this, I mean, I think this is impressive. Um, their quarter-final, they went away to Reb, um, RB Leipzig, sorry, uh, and lost 1-0 with a cut-and-shunt defence made out of twigs and string and all of the, the XG analysis and everything I've seen from after the game suggest that they were very, very unlucky not to equalise, not to get a point from that, not to get an away goal, which was really important. So this meant that they went into the second leg really needing to win by two because if they won by one nil, then it was going to be extra time and you wouldn't, you know, maybe bet on, uh, again, the twigs and string defence from, from being able to hold out for 120 minutes. Oh my word, they did us proud. At 5-2, uh, they won at home at the Velodrome, and but they didn't make it easy because two minutes in, Bruma scores for Leipzig, and you're just thinking. I was sitting there with my head in my hands, going, "Oh God, they kind of, you know, kind of dropped this so early." But then they just absolutely flew back into the game. So six minutes, there was an own goal from Ilzaka, which uh, got them the equaliser. At nine minutes. Uh, Bunasar got second. Then there was a Payet goal, which was disallowed for Mitroglou basically kicking somebody in the back. Fair enough. Um, and then they went 3-1 uh, up um, just before halftime with Tovan. Uh, my notes basically moved into caps lock about this point. And then uh, there was one from uh, Payet around the hour mark. And... Um, Jean-Kevin Augustin got 
one just before that and then there was that wonderful injury time uh injury time cherry on the cake from birthday boy hirokai sakai who was in fact offside but who the hell cares now um basically opening them up on the break so they've gone through after they have had a really, really difficult time with injury, with key players missing, with basically no central defenders available for several matches. And they managed to get through this, which was really, uh, a really impressive kind of characterful performance. And they're going to be up against Salzburg in the semi-finals, who, of course, they met in the group stage, uh, which was Salzburg won one one nil home in game two and then game six was a really really dull nil nil draw uh with everybody just getting the point that they needed for whatever they needed to get but om are still in that race for european silverware and if they can get through this and get to a final in a one-off match whoever they're playing of is it it's atletico madrid and arsenal the other side is it Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's this is a really kind of um, good bit of, yeah, cherry on top, icing on the cake of a, a season where they are still fighting uh, to get kind of the Champions League positions next season. But they're also still in the run to get the Champions League uh, league place from from this competition so i thought it was a really really it was a fun match to watch but it was also a really really positive performance and uh just either of you um jez if you have any uh, any views on on how how far marseille can go in in this competition um i think they can go all the way um i I was tempted to say that they got the the easiest draw available, but I think that's actually disrespectful to Salzburg because you know they're there on merit. As you said, they gave Marseille a couple of tough matches in the group stage. They've beaten um, okay, a poor Dortmund, but they've beaten Dortmund and a very good Lazio team to get here. So they're clearly not to be taken lightly. Um, but I would still put Marseille's favourites to get to the final. And then in a one-off match, particularly in France, um, anything can happen. So, yeah, I definitely think Marseille can go all the way. And certainly in the semi-final, I think they'll be helped, as they were in the quarter, by by the the, the velodrome crowd. I think that um, Marseille remind me more and more of Liverpool um, in terms of the club, in terms of the supporters. I mean that in good ways and bad ways. But certainly one of the good ways is the way that the crowd can get behind behind them. And um, I think a lot more than Anfield, actually. I think the Velodrome could really become a, a really intimidating place for for oppositions um, when when they're really up for it. And you could, ju- you could tell from basically from the first leg onwards, there was sort of a... A building of momentum leading up to the second leg and you know just felt like a lot more twitter presence um a real sort of atmosphere building and and you know updates saying how it was gonna how it was filling and um, spaces were filling up and then it was sold out and i don't know how or why it happened particularly for this match but it just really felt like everyone was was coming together behind them and then um, 
you know the 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 Leipzig goal right at the start could and maybe should have, have deflated everyone. I think it helped that that Marseille um, scores immediately afterwards. But yeah. again, I think it showed the character of, of the of the team, um, and certainly the the bullishness that that Garcia has built in that team. That they came straight back, and then mm. after that, I mean, although there was the the sort of the blip um, after Augustin scored, and there was only I think one goal in it again. Um, it felt like there was only ever going to be one winner. Mm. On the centre backs, I I'm not so sure that it's such a bad thing that there were injuries. Well, no, I, I think it just proves how bad their centre backs are. No, I think uh, Gustavo, he got very very good marks in the first leg. He had some issues in the second. Uh, we saw Rami come on halfway through when Saar went off with a shoulder injury, which seemed to just happen while he was all by himself. And Rami wasn't actually on the squad list I'd seen in the morning. They he, That had clearly been a very, very late call. Um, but I think uh, that what you were saying about that kind of bullishness, we saw a couple of weeks ago against Dijon. Uh, they came back and they did a really good job there. At the weekend... They were 2-1 down to Troyes, who were fighting for their lives. Uh, I think you look at their results for the last six weeks or so, actually. Yeah. There's always been, they've been more or less one behind. goal in it and late wins as well. Yeah. It's, winning, it's winning ugly. That's what they've mastered, I think. But, uh, but it's not ugly. Is it? It's. It's. No, I think. I, 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 I know what you mean, but it's, I don't. I don't think. I, I stand by this. I had two and throw-ins with the Marseille fan account, the UK I fan am account. Sure, you have. Yeah. Um, and um, I stand by what I say. I don't think they've played well this season. I can't say. I can't sit here and say throughout this season Marseille have played really good football because I don't think they have. Um, I don't think they have the best squad. But what I do commend them on. Is is their attitude, and that they they you know the vast majority of that squad don't give up. They fight to the end. They they really do scrap yeah. for everything, and and it works. You know, it's got them fourth place. And to be perfectly honest, I put this pretty much entirely down to to Rudy Garcia. I think what he's got out of this squad to have got them guaranteed, well, pretty much guaranteed top four now with a yeah. chance for third. Chance, you know, semi-final of the Europa League. It's still a chance Ma- for second. Now the the gap has been closed on on Monaco, who look to be in a bit of a tailspin. So, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can make that case, but to, I think to have got all that with with that squad, I think is nothing short of fantastic. Um, I criticise him a bit for uh, and whether his his hands were tied on it or not for not strengthening that squad in January because I think had he had he done that. You know, they wouldn't be facing the, the problems that they're facing now with their injuries. They'd probably be in a better position in the league. But that's that's obviously the wonders of hindsight. But you can't, I can't I can't do anything but praise them for for the way that they have have you know they the attitude I think that they show. I think there's one or two players that that perhaps don't, but the attitude. Um, and I think this almost comes back to to my point on PSG. Is this this is a team that are eleven players who one or two aside, are not particularly fantastic footballers, but Garcia has got them all mm. working together. You know, you um, look at that defence, that defence shouldn't work. He's made, some, he's made some tough calls as well. I mean, when they went uh, away to Leipzig and certainly when they were at home to Leipzig, basically the only central defender they had available was Eamon Abdenor. Now, he's a Tunisian international. He's not chopped liver. Garcia didn't play him. He played Gustavo and Kamara 
um, as a centre back pair because he thought that was the right thing to do, and it worked. I mean, yes, they lost one nil, but it was so close, and they did a very good job. You look at um, Kamara's had an absolutely amazing uh, kind of performance over the past couple of weeks. He's played left back, he's played centre back. The man's actually a defensive midfielder, and he's still just putting a shift in wherever he's asked to. And yes, as you say, like at the weekend, I think the Trois result, most of us, like me and Mo, were both tweeting at the same time, Benjamin Nive is 41 years old when he got the goal to put the Trois 2-1 up. Because, I mean, he is, he's a wonderful person. But to come back from that, goals in the 75th and 85th minute to win it, Yes, it's sad for Toi, but that was a characterful display uh, from OM. It was and we're going 12, to. Though. Yes, but they were, as I say, fighting for their lives and two one up for large parts of of the match. So, what I, what I but think to is, me, that's not... one of the things where it's kind of, as Rich said, that that's winning ugly, but against Toi, they shouldn't be winning ugly. Yeah. So this uh, coming weekend, they're at home against Lille. So, I, I think if, would, if they say, win ugly there, it's going to be an ugly scoreline, would be what we were expecting. I just would say that I think Garcia has probably been aided as well over the last few weeks of see the return from injury of Tovan, and he seems to be sort of back to where he was. Um, uh, you know, I know again, as, long as, as long as it's not a top four or five team or whatever. And Pay has remembered that it's World Cup year. And so he's decided, oh, I better actually try because, you know what, there's a, there's a, there's still a you know, my, my place is under threat. So I better remember, remind uh, everybody that, you know, when I'm on the top of my game, I am a very good player. And that's, that's the player that we've seen over the last few weeks. I think the uh, way he's playing at the moment just shows what an absolute disgrace he's been for the last 18 months or so. Well, I think, yeah, I think, I think it shouldn't, it, yeah. It, I mean, unfortunately, I think many people will be fooled by this performance and say, well, look what he can do when he's on his day. I think the, the thing I take it back to was, well, we've had such a long period of time when he's been awful, absolutely awful. And I think there are, there are Marseille fans, I hope anyway, that would agree with that because I do think he's been awful. And I think a lot, so much was made of his, his Euro 2016 performance of, what an amazing player. He's one of France's best players. He's one of two France's half, best two. players for two and a half group games. He did it, Benzema. And that, yeah, and that's, that's pretty much it. Um, so, so, you know, he, he should be in a shout for the World Cup spot. He should, he should be in a shout, but he's not this guaranteed cert that I think a lot of people would have you believe based on, you know, four or five weeks form across a whole, you know, months, months and months of... Uh, Poor performances. Meanwhile, uh, someone who does look to be a cert or should be a cert is Florian Tova. I mean, um, me and Mo were kind of trading tweets on Twitter on this because we'd both lost count of how many goals and assists the man has actually got this season. We think it's 20 goals and 17 assists in all competitions, but we might have missed a couple. I mean, that is epic form. It's, it really it's great is. for my, my only concern for him in a World Cup spot is is just that sort of who do he seems to have when it's when it's the big games and the big teams and uh, I, I, you can't you can't it's really awkward because his form excluding those performances in the big games has been superb and I think probably 
you know, player of the season worthy. But because he's struggled to perform, and whether that's just because of the Marseille team that he's in, so and Marseille what, the team haven't, it's, it, it just casts that little bit of doubt on me as to, are there other players who may be able to perform? I mean, he's been unlucky, I think, in that he's been part of so many French squads recently, but has played barely any football for them that so he's hardly had time, chance to prove that actually you know what, I can perform in the big games it's just that I'm in a you know, <coughs> average Marseille squad so, I think uh, may, maybe we'll be obviously focusing on the World Cup and uh, the Bleu squad as as it comes out in the, in the weeks to come so we might have a look at you know what those big games have been and who has performed and who maybe would have performed better um um, we can think about that for for another for another time. To particularly when a squad announcement comes out, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of discussion. There's going to be a lot of discussion about formations, which we're hoping to bring you a couple of articles on soon um, to to look at Le Bleu chance in Russia this summer. So if we move on, um, we've had a couple of questions this week which kind of fall between the PSG and OM side of things. Uh, we had a couple of questions from uh, Prabin Bikram, who is Prabin LFC on Twitter. But the main one was, what happened to Monaco this season? Which was followed up by Dean Potter, a.k.a. Frintenguna on Twitter. Do you see Thomas Lamar leaving Monaco at the end of this season? Given his Twitter handle, I'm guessing he's got a vested interest in this. But Monaco, yes, they got hammered 7-1 at the weekend. They're not looking as safe in second as they did. A, what has happened? B, where do we think they'll end up? Jez? Um, I I mean, this what, what's happened to Monaco this season... Um, they're second. <laughs> they mm-hmm. got to a cup final. Um, it's not atrocious. They're just, you know, I know they've got not decent, as good. They've got yeah. money, but they're not in the. Then it's not in the same league as as PSG, and they've lost. Um, they lost half of their title winning squads. I mean, our team rather numbers wise, maybe less than half, but they lost. Importance-wise, way more than half. Yeah, Bernardo Silva, they lost. Um, Benjamin Mendy, these are important players. Mbappe, obviously, both for for the goals. And I think also the sort of hype and aura about him that he had last year. You're not going to recover from that automatically. Mm. Um, Jardim, I still think, is the best and most underrated player. coach in France for the for what he's done for the last whatever it is now four or five years um, constantly being not not hamstrung but constantly having to, to rebuild rarely having any kind of consistency and yeah for a lot of the season Monaco really haven't played well and yet they're still second mm. so sort of lauding Marseille for winning ugly but Monaco you have to say are doing it better and um, I Without without looking, I mean the only two matches that they've lost in recent times, possibly this year, I think maybe even since November or something, is the two recent ones to PSG. So yeah, I'm sure it's going to knock their confidence, but there's no reason it should affect them going into the rest of the season against mm-hmm. other teams. So Rich, Tom and Lamar, what do we think? Oh, their next think season or not? No, I think he's off. I think 
I think what we've we've seen a I think a fall in quality from him over the last few weeks. Um, I think from from what I can what I can imagine, I think he's probably been told, you know what, you you didn't go last summer. We obviously weren't going to let you go in in you know, mid season. You'll go this summer. Uh, it was there was um, on, on Telefoot this week. Um, Madeline Vassily, the vice president of Monaco, was on. Oh, I saw. Um, and uh, yeah, he was asked, you know, what what um, you know what what do you you know what happens if uh, what um, do you sort of value Thomas Lamar at? Is it 100, 110, 120 million? And um, I think Vassilier's response was just a lot. Mm. Um, so I, I think I think a sale is on the cards there. I'd be amazed if he didn't turn up at Liverpool. If I'm perfectly honest, oh, um, oh, that would be fun to watch. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I can't confess to being the biggest Liverpool fan, but that's where I can see him end up. And to be fair, I think he would fit into that side perfectly. Yeah, um, I still think he shouldn't go to England. <laughs> well, the problem is, is uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where he he then goes. It's you know, I look in Germany. Well, it's really only going to be Munich and. Is he going to play there? I, I don't Send know. Send him to Roma, it'll be fine. You know, <laughs> you know th- th- it's then the question of do other clubs have the financial capabilities to to buy him at the, the price that Monaco are going to sell him at? And well, I think on that, our other question, I say question, it didn't involve a question mark. Uh, I think it might be more of a statement. Uh, it's from our friend Thomas Weissefman on Twitter, who just says, Nolan Rue starts at the World Cup. This might be a reference, Jez, to your article for the short pass that you put out uh, recently about uh, the difference between PSG and Mets. But I just thought uh, that was a whether he meant to send that to us or not. Nolan Rue starts at the World Cup is something we, we need, possibly need to get printed on a T-shirt. Um, so just another little bit of business. Obviously, there is the semi-final of the Coupe de France tonight between Caen and PSG. There is a preview up on the site by Jeremy of that, saying basically magic might happen. Cross your fingers. Um, because you, you last, told me to be positive. I told you to be positive, Jez. <laughs> it's the cup. We need to be positive and Last night, we did see positivity in the Cup. Les Herbiers and Chambly, both national sides, both third-tier sides, played off for a place in the final. Les Herbiers have got it, uh, winning 2-0 against Chambly uh, with goals from Florian David and Ambroise Gbahu, who have been on the pitch about three minutes when he did this. There was actually brilliant performances from both goalkeepers. You get the impression that Chambly's goalkeeper, Xavier Pinato, is used to having to deal with stuff with no help from any available defender because they weren't very good and he was excellent. Um, so uh, we've got Les Herbiers are in the Coupe de France final. They are only the third third tier side to reach the final. I think after Nîmes and I can't remember Amiens. I can't remember uh, the other one. No third tier side has ever won it. Now, yes, Caen and PSG are playing tonight. So PSG will probably win. But we can all still dream, people. We can all still dream. Um, Elsewhere in Cup News, it's going to be the semi-final of the Women's Champions League first leg. Man City versus OL is happening on Sunday. So have a look out for that. That could be complete chaos. 
Um, looking forward to the weekend's games. Game 34 with uh, Caen and Toulouse both having a game in hand after the weather thing, which will be sorted out on Wednesday. What games are we looking at at the weekend uh, to be interesting in maybe mostly the relegation battle, it looks like here? Rich, what would you pick out? Um, to, to a slight shout to, to Nantes Ren Friday night mm-hmm. um, mm. with, with, with both, both sets of fans whinging to the correctly yep, that is... to the LFP to get the kickoff move from, I think it was going to be like 10 to 6 or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's 18.45 now, isn't it? I think I've, uh, I've renamed half, this half group of, of, the, uh, of, of the table the clump for Europe uh, because there's five teams in, within two points. Yeah, so that's that, that's Friday night. That's a half seven kickoff now. So it's it's still not pleased both sets of fans, mm-hmm. considering one how big a game it is anyway. Massive, massive, massive rivals, and two the importance of it with obviously that fifth place up for grabs. But there's there's that one. But in terms of the bottom, I mean it's it's probably one of two games really that stand out. Um, it's it's Mets v Khan, I think is a massive yeah. game. Especially if Mets can build on, so Khan didn't didn't play last week. Um, if Mets can can build on that, really really good. I mean, as bad as Wren were in that game, it was a really good performance. I thought from Mets. Um, if they can build on that at home, and particularly if th- if Khan have had their, you know, hearts ripped out of them by PSG tonight in the semi final. Maybe I be uh, I haven't seen the team, so I'd be interested to see what team they put out tonight. If they if they do just think, well, sod this game, we're going to be focusing on the Mets one. But Mets need to carry through that good feeling, you know. In Nolan Rue, they've got they they do have a striker banging form, um, so it, that's that's going to be an absolutely massive game, I think. And then kind of obviously then got another eye then on a midweek game, the the rearranged mm. Toulouse game. Yeah. So, Jez, what uh, what would you pick out from that? Um, I'm actually quite tempted by um, Dijon against Lyon. Mm. Um, I mean, at the moment, Lyon Lyon got the third place, but um, I think this is probably the toughest match they've got left. And you know, Dijon have got a fantastic home record. I think only Marseille have beaten them in very recent times, and. You know, that was thanks to two late goals, including a very dodgy penalty and another penalty where um, a couple of Marseille players are practically on the, standing on the six-yard line when, when the penalty was taken. Um, I, so, and of course, I think it was the, the return fixture that was one of those three all matches. So I think that could be a really entertaining game to teams that when they're playing at their best, play really entertaining football. So then that could be good. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's a couple of um, relegation six-pointers. Obviously, I've got my eye on the Mess one just because, uh, frankly, it's absolutely ridiculous that Mess are still in with the chance of staying up. I mean, they've been so bad consistently all year long. Um I but, think you, your ha- your official club hashtag is is now mathematically um, because it's still strangely uh, yeah as you say it's still on. Um, well, it's only only 
at this stage it's quite a lot, but it's only four, four points, points from the from the playoff place. Um and, and you do next, not next... have a tough run in. Beaten Ren already, playing Kong, then it's Lille, then it's, it's not Angers. an easy run in. I mean they're all six pointers, but but it's they're also not Monaco, very PSG good teams, which is which is, you know, I think something that you need to hang on to there. Lille, yeah, I mean, the Angers, Amiens, like and then Bordeaux. Punishment. It's, you know, the, the, it's Ren, the Ren win. The Ren win is, was huge. That was huge. Because that then now gives them that confidence to go into these games thinking... We are actually we good enough. It. We can do it. We, we can do it. And, and it, you know what? You'd, you'd, be, you'd be half tempted to say, you know what? This, this, this impossible could, could genuinely happen. You know, I can, I can now say, sit here and say... I could see this happening, you know, and, and not, not be trying to sort of just keep Jez happy. And I actually mean it. Because we've got one there, which um, Amiens plays Strasbourg. That's 14th versus 16th. That could also be interesting because if they only get a point each, then you've got another one in the mix there. So it is not done yet. This could be a relegation battle that really does go down to the final day. However weird that may have sounded around about Christmas when we all thought um, when we all thought Mets were, were gone already. I still think Chois are screwed because of their um, very, very difficult running. But my one that I'd pick at the slightly other end of the table, uh, Rich mentioned um, Nantes versus Rennes, which is ninth versus fifth. Nice, who are sixth, play Montpellier, who are seventh um, on Sunday as the early game. That could be interesting. If Montpellier defend like they did against Bordeaux, then Nice, welcome to the party. But hopefully they'll uh, Montpellier will have um, kind of organised themselves a bit more of it. And all of that clump for Europe um, could still say very clumpy by the end of the weekend. So... Uh, that's going to be an interesting round of games to watch. It does finish with Bordeaux versus PSG on Sunday night, but frankly, I think we all know how that's going to work out. So, just checking with at at the time of uh, recording, we are ten minutes into Con versus PSG, and PSG haven't scored yet. So, go Con, um, keep the magic alive. Is there any other business from either of you two guys that you want to raise? Mm-hmm. Nothing from me. No. Okay. So we will be back next week, hopefully with Chris, who's made it out of his car park, um, to look back over uh, round 34, the Women's Champions League, the uh, Coupe de France semi-finals, and look forward to the Europa League semi-final, which sees uh, OM, I think, I'm not sure, are they at home or away in the first leg? at home they're at home right against Salzburg so we'll have a lot to cover then Um, so if you have any questions about that or any other topic please hit us up on Twitter or in the comments under the article on the website and we look forward to speaking to you again soon so from me Phil and Rich and Jez guys bye goodbye bye Uh, we'll speak to you next week thanks for listening